Hello, and welcome to our Top of Mind podcast. In this program, we are sitting down with Vicki Tambellini to discuss how her top trend predictions for 2020 have changed or maybe not since we first discussed them in January of this year. I'm your host, Caitlin Olkani at the Tambellini Group. Let's get started. Thanks for joining us today, Vicki. Thanks, Caitlin. I'm glad to be back. It's always fun to look back on predictions. Normally, we'd like to think about predictions in a one-year increment, but things are moving so fast. I think it's a good time to look at predictions that we made earlier in the year and think about how things have changed. So it's good to be with you, and let's get started with the questions that you have. Thanks, Vicki. So to set the stage for our listeners, you and I originally recorded our Trends podcast in January, and we looked back on 2019, how some things surprised us, and what we thought might happen in 2020. And one of the first topics that you and I discussed was the importance of consensus building on campus. When technology leaders are thinking about making any kind of big investment. So how has that changed with the onset of COVID and moving to a remote working environment? Have we seen anything differ in consensus building? That's a great question. And to answer that, I think it's important to add some context and perspective to our discussion today. When we think about higher education in general, there it, it's easy to talk about higher ed as if higher ed is one thing. And, and anyone that works with in higher education, either from the inside as from the institution perspective or from the outside trying to assist higher education leaders knows that higher education is not simply one thing, right? Not one, <laughs> there is no broad way to think about higher education. You know, in fact, um, that the idea that consensus building is important is certainly an underlying theme regardless of the size or type of institution. But I think we are definitely seeing some, uh, cha- some changes and some differences in the way decisions are being made depending on the size and type of institution and also the way that institutions are being led. And and I'll give you some examples. So um, in in the case of uh, large public four-year institutions, for example, where budgets, uh, large percentages of the budgets are driven by state funding, the edicts have come down from the legislatures and from the governors that uh, certain types of spending has been uh, halted or um, in some cases uh, frozen indefinitely and leaders have been forced to implement decisions that were completely out of their control. They've been told to make broad-based cuts in areas that they perhaps would like to have had some of their own influence on, but the decisions have been made outside of their control. And so the decisions that they've had to implement have been particularly painful uh, in, in public institutions. And I think in the, in the private institutions, the private four-year institutions, depending on 
the way they're governed and the way the, the not only the type of funding but the level of governance that they have and oversight from their boards and also where technology sits in the organization we've seen different levels of consensus building that becomes necessary in the way that decisions are being made so we're we're definitely seeing a diversion now in not only the speed of decisions but also the way that decisions are being made and i think that it's uh, created a lot of um, a lot of unrest on campuses across the country as as people are unsure of their future not only as uh, as workers but as as their place in the institution and what it means going forward and it's also led many on campuses to be afraid to to move forward in making leadership decisions which is pretty disconcerting so um, we're seeing in decisions and leadership fall into in, perhaps into three camps you know people that people that become um, completely frozen in their ability to move forward because they become so fearful of making any decisions or trying to build any consensus with the decisions that they do have some control over and then um, those that are you know tiptoeing lightly with the with the things that they feel like maybe they have to do that that they can uh, make a case for and then there are the very few that are just moving forward uh, boldly you know and fearlessly with the idea that um, you know they've got to do something or or they risk being permanently uh, disintermediated in this pandemic because of the changes that are happening so rapidly around them. So I think consensus building is taking on a whole new meaning um, within within education and it's disrupting more than just the um, the way people make decisions. It's the whole the whole balance of uh, the structure within our um, within our institutions is is being challenged. Vicki, you also mentioned speed to decision. I'd like to know what's happening for timelines for projects. In January, we spoke about timelines being stretched to over a year in some cases to make a decision about big technology investments. What's happening now? Well, again, it, it's very uh, situation dependent. So, it, you know, we look at situations in context where large public four-year institutions had built a case perhaps two years ago and gone through a long planning and budgeting cycle and then in, in this fiscal year they've been allocated funding for considerable projects we've seen that in some cases it, well in most cases there's been slight delays maybe six months to a year but where projects have were, were on the early end or the front end of the process and the funding had not been allocated in the pu large public institutions those decisions have been moved out perhaps two to three years or or longer and in the private institutions research institutions for example where there's a large hospital presence for example where 
private four years where the you know, large medical centers are associated with the institution. Many of those institutions are, have significant losses related to the COVID response. And even those institutions that had major projects that were considered critical for their infrastructure, those projects have been sidelined because of this, you know, the, the losses that in some cases are in the tens of millions of dollars related to the COVID response. And in, in, in exchange, um, the, sh the shifts are to looking at best of breed type responses to you know, budget and planning, for example, if that's an area that, that needed to be addressed. So I think for each scenario and with each um, size and type of institution, we have to look deeper to find out exactly how COVID has impacted the, the sector or the subsector within education to understand the likely impact and then what the response can be not only from um, the institution perspective, but also from the entire ecosystem that's, that's endeavoring to support institutions through what is you know, arguably the, one of the most difficult times that, that we've ever faced. So it sounds like priorities in general on campuses have shifted and it's causing some major disruption. COVID seems to be having some big downstream impacts. How are you seeing campus technology priorities specifically change? So are we seeing major transformation projects on hold generally, or is that also institution specific or a big change to certain types of technology projects? Yeah, so I think in in large, again, large public four years where major ERP projects were well underway earlier this year, those projects are on track for the most part within, within the year that they have been planned. Um, for private, not-for-profit institutions, we've seen that the problems that they were trying to address certainly have not dissipated. Um, so institutions are looking at ways to either look at the problem differently, look at the problem with, with some sort of delay, or figure out a way to uh, repurpose existing, their existing ERP with third-party applications in support of their environment. So in some cases, we're seeing institutions with legacy systems look to move their client server applications to cloud or cloud hosting, cloud managed services. For example, um, we're seeing more institutions thinking seriously about uh, shared services. I mean, the conversation around shared services is not new. What I think is new is the very serious discussion around what shared services could mean mm -hmm. in a specific environment and how in particular public institutions could make a shared services environment work. Actually defining what shared services could mean for not only cost savings but efficiencies and then um, what, what an implementation of shared services might look like. Because 
these are people problems, right? That's not really even a technology problem because the idea of a shared services environment has much less to do with the technology and much more to do with the change management and the change in business processes associated with all the implementation around having people work differently and serving your constituents differently. So it's, it's a big change in, in the way people will have to work. But I think now that people are working differently and more people are working from home and more people are talking about maybe never returning to a campus office or, or returning on rotating shifts, there's more, more serious interest in looking at how shared services could be implemented. We've spoken a lot about the institutions themselves and changes that have to be made or are actively being made on campuses, but I'm curious about what's happening with vendors who are serving higher ed too, because they're probably also scrambling to make changes right now. And are we seeing that roadmaps are being really impacted or people are coming out with new and interesting technologies? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And in the same way that I think that we can't look at higher education and say there's one specific trend, I would say that in, within the vendor environment, there's the same, the same kind of um, thing is happening on the vendor side. So certainly in the ecosystem, we have seen broad changes on the what, what I would call the independent, uh, small and medium-sized vendors, we've seen a increased investment in thinking about how to serve higher education and in particular the part of the segment that any one vendor is the best at serving. Um, I mean, for example, we had a we had an inquiry yesterday from a vendor that works in the advancement space. They've been particularly successful in one area. They're looking to expand and they're thinking about adding considerable new services. Anyway, they're, that's just one example of, of how we're, we're engaging with vendors right now. And I think that um, we are seeing that in particular segments that's happening. On the other hand, there's, there was a large vendor in that very same space that many people will be familiar with that went through massive layoffs in May timeframe. Probably 10% of their workforce was, was laid off and some of those layoffs impacted higher education. So I think that the vendor side is very dependent on whether or not the vendor is public, whether they're investment bank owned and so forth. And we, we have seen significant cost cutting at, in some of the very largest vendors, and it does cause great concern for us. We're, we're looking very closely at some of the largest vendors, some of the largest public vendors that serve higher education now, and we're doing some significant analysis to compare roadmaps um, over the last 24 months or so to look at how those have changed and what the early uh, indications are that yes to your question uh, roadmaps are uh, falling short 
and we think that there are the decisions are being made don't necessarily indicate I want to say like it's not that the vendors aren't investing in higher education but they're shifting their dollars either to lower paid people or perhaps they're looking at higher education differently in light of the fact that spending has slowed. And I think that's short-sighted, but if, when you think about public companies, their obligation is uh, sometimes uh, looked at to shareholders first. And so we'll be writing more about that. But um, again, that's not every vendor across every um, application area, um, but it is something that I think institutions have to be concerned about and should be asking about before they make investments about the commitment to higher ed and how those investments are changing. Vicki, this next question is a really broad one, and I'm very curious to hear what you think about this. We're here at the end of August, coming into the fall semester, and so much has changed institutions are under a lot of stress, vendors are under stress. What do you think the rest of this year and then coming into 2021 will look like? Well, we're, you know, just in, as in the last question when you asked about some of the decisions that vendors are making, we're also seeing institutions, some institutions making some alarming decisions, frankly. We've seen institutions making decisions to eliminate the office of the CIO. And in our early analysis, it looks to us like the, and it doesn't matter for in, in this discussion that the, the size or type of institution, the, you know, the, the office has been eliminated and, um, very large in a very large research institution and a very in a relatively small private liberal arts institution the the things that we're seeing that are consistent is when that's happened the cio has reported to the cfo and we know that in higher ed roughly a third of cios report to cfos a third report to the provost and about a third report to the president there's been a long ongoing discussion over time about you know where where should the CIO report and and how strategic are technology decisions on campus and I think that one thing that we know from the crisis that we've all been living through is that technology is an enabler for for everything that we have to do and the work of the office of the CIO has been astounding. People have been able to accomplish amazing things working from home to enable security, to enable CRM, to enable um, teaching and learning. And, and the idea, the very idea that a CIO is, is not necessary is mind boggling to me and to others that we've been talking to. And so I think that's something that we want to uh, call to the attention of, of leaders to, to really think through what does it mean to be a CIO uh, in an institution and how important is that role? Where should it report? Should that role be valued and why? Um, and what is the risk to eliminating 
the role, for example. So that's that's a that's a big concern that we're looking at. And I think that the institutions that are really thinking forwardly are looking at how to reimagine the threats that are coming from every angle and you know not just the health threats that we're all facing but the threats of competition from other sources that may have never been relevant before the ideas that paying attention to staff and human resources in ways that we've never had to think about before and really getting better at understanding what the data shows us in our work is going to be critical to be able to manage remotely and, and effectively for institutions of the future because the need for education is not going to go away. I mean, the, the, the idea that people want to learn and people need education to thrive in our world is certainly a concept that's as old as time the the way we learn the way we achieve the education that we thrive for as as human beings may continue to shift over time um, you know at what cost with whose money by whom for what purpose all that may continue to change and the institutions that are going to thrive through this will have leaders that will be able to continue to reimagine uh, not only the delivery but the cost and the um, the flexibility that they have to to adjust to this changing world so thank you for asking vicky thanks so much for joining me and sharing your expertise this concludes our top of mind podcast check back with us next month for another great topic and don't forget to check out tambellini's other resources on our blog and YouTube channel. See you next time.